Hello and welcome. I'm delighted you can join us here on Search for Truth. Thanks for your company. Now I'm your host, John Martin, and I introduce your Bible teaching programme with Brian Johnston. Brian's looking again today at another factor about the supremacy of Christ. This time it's the eternal quality of Christ's existence. This is yet another characteristic which, along with the nine others which Brian's looking at in this series, acclaim Jesus Christ as the incomparable, preeminent, sovereign Lord. As I just said, today's title is The Eternal Christ. So let's hear now from Brian. Thanks, John. And in this study, as you say, we'll continue our look at some of the rewarding truths about our Lord as we now focus down on the last book of the Bible, the book of the Revelation. Very soon, almost immediately after the resurrection, we've the clearest expression of how Jesus' followers viewed him when standing before him in the secure room, that upper room. It's recorded in John 20 and verse 28 that Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Sadly, the waters would soon be muddied by false teachers like Arius, who introduced the novelty of claiming Jesus was an inferior being to the Father. Although these false novelties were effectively countered, various forms of them have persisted right down to the present day, from the United Kingdom to the Philippines, in nominally Christian subcultures, the teaching of Arius still surfaces in pseudo-Christian cults. Of course, the entire New Testament testifies to the eternal deity of the Son of God, known to us in humanity as Jesus Christ. In particular, the divine nature of Christ is well documented in Revelation, which is our chosen text for this part in our series of studies. In the Bible's final chapter, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Yes, here in Revelation 22 and verses 12 and 13, Jesus promises that he is coming back again. Let me say that reminds me of how one day a professor gave his students a harsh assignment. They each had to preach one sermon in the upcoming month without any notes. The professor promised his anxious students that if they ever lost their train of thought, which they all did at some point, they only had to repeat their last uttered sentence over and over again with more and more dynamicism. The promise? Well, if they did that, they would soon remember the sermon they had written. It was guaranteed. To poor Johnny, that promise was never realised. Although he was preaching in an ideal situation, a small church comprised of older people. As soon as the words, I am coming, were out of his mouth, all the rest of his sermon fled. He started to panic. All eyes in the audience were on him, and he couldn't remember a word of what he was supposed to say. He stared at them for a minute, sweat dripping from his face. He wanted to scream help, but that wouldn't look too good on his resume. With relief, he remembered his professor's promise. And with a bit more energy, he again uttered, I am coming. When his mind was still blank, he did it again and again. In desperation, he took a firm hold of the old pulpit and screamed out with all of his might, I am coming. 
He was shaking so much by this time that the ancient wood of the pulpit gave way under his weight, and he fell off the platform in front of an older lady on the front row, with the top of the pulpit still tightly gripped in his fists. Embarrassed, he apologised. The old lady reassuringly replied, "'That's all right, young man. After all, you did warn me you were coming.' Hmm. That's not at all what he was intending when attempting to preach about Christ's second coming. Back to what we were saying. In the Bible's final chapter, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. These words, this self-description, of himself as the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and the beginning and the end, repeats identically the description of the Lord God, the Almighty, that we find in chapter 1. In chapter 1, verse 4, we find the following statement. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace, from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us, and released us from our sins by his blood, and he has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion for ever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So the title, Alpha and Omega, is equally applied to Jesus Christ as it is to the Father. It's a title, of course, which brings together the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet. It indicates, therefore, one who is both the beginning and the end of all things, all things having been created by him and for him. Without question, this is an affirmation of deity as applied to Jesus Christ here in the book of the Revelation, and it's expressed in eternal terms. I have a friend who was delivered from the error of a pseudo-Christian cult quite a few years ago. The pivotal point, naturally, was the Bible's clear teaching about the person of the Lord Jesus. The two Bible texts which the Holy Spirit used to crystallise his thinking were the ones we've used today. First, the words of Thomas in John chapter 20, when he confessed in breathless worship to the risen Jesus, you are my Lord and my God. Now, it so happened But of course, it was no coincidence that my friend had just been reading in the Bible's last chapter, from which we've quoted, he'd been reading the words, they're found in chapter 22 and verse 8, and John the Apostle, who wrote the book of the Revelation, is telling of his own experience here. He says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. But he said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed the words of this book. Worship God. 
It was as if a shaft of brilliant light hit him. My friend, that is, dispelling the darkness of error. He'd been conditioned up until that time to think of Jesus as a created being, as are the angels. But now he could see the difference. The angel told the Apostle John not to worship him. But Jesus, back in the upper room, had received worship from Thomas and the other disciples. The difference was clear. Then his eyes fell on the later words, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Those words that we noted, first of all, from the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, and he laid them alongside Revelation 1 and verse 8, where we again find the words, the Alpha and the Omega. But by putting the two together and comparing them, he observed that what is true of Jesus in chapter 22 is true of Almighty God in Revelation chapter 1. The same expression, the Alpha and the Omega, is applied to both Jesus and Almighty God. So he now uses this combination of verses to confound former colleagues, even using their own corrupted Bible version to do so. Of course, as we said earlier, the testimony of the book of the Revelation to the eternal deity of Christ is fully consistent with teaching throughout the New Testament. We'll content ourselves in closing just to take two selected quotes from the letter to the Hebrews, which emphasise very explicitly the forever character of our Lord. There in the first chapter, we read the words of God the Father addressing his Son and saying, in Hebrews 1 and verse 8, But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous sceptre is the sceptre of his kingdom. Remember, that was God the Father addressing the Son, and he addresses the Son as God. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And again, from the last chapter of the book of Hebrews, we have Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That's found in verse 8 of that last chapter. From first to last, even from the first chapter of Hebrews to the last chapter of Hebrews, as with the book of Revelation, in chapters 1, the first, and chapter 22, the last, Jesus Christ is shown to be the one who is the first and the last. We love the Thank you.
Those are marvellous verses, aren't they, of that hymn we've just heard? I'll quote them uh, for clarity. We laud the everlasting word, the Father's only Son, God, manifestly seen and heard, and heaven's beloved one. In him most perfectly expressed, the Father's glories shine, of the full deity possessed, eternally divine, worthy the name of Jesus now, that every knee therein should bow. Don't forget, there's the transcript booklet containing all ten talks in this series, and it's free, so if you'd like one or more, please tell us and ask for the title The Supremacy of Christ. If you've got a pen and paper to hand, I'll give you our contact details, and here they are. Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, LE5 6LN UK. I'll repeat that. Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, LE5, 6LN, UK. You may be interested to know that you can access uh, Search for Truth um, uh, booklets and uh, programmes by looking up www.searchfortruth.org.uk and there the church's uh, main website can be found and you can download the programmes and their accompanying transcript well as accessing other helpful material. So it's been really great to have you with us today. We do appreciate your company, so many thanks again. And next week's study focuses on the supreme sacrifice of Christ, so please do join us again. Until then, very best wishes from Brian, from David, our singers and me, John. Goodbye and may God richly bless you. Jesus.